0: Let's do this. It's Thursday, hour number two is on your radio. Coach Doug Matthews is just about 20 minutes away from joining us when we will discuss. Well, you know what? There's a little something happening tonight. The college football season let's is go, getting baby. started. And I say that with all due respect to all those jokers who played last week because there was a week zero. But let's just say this. Everybody starts tonight. Blaine Bishop out today. Alex Apple is sitting in. Alex, um... I'm going to tell you this. I wrote this down because I wanted to make sure that I that I mentioned this. I wrote, "I hate Thursday games."
1: Why? And, and then not I wrote, on the opener.
0: Then I wrote next to it, "All administrators do." You know who hates Thursday games? Everybody who works in college athletics. Why do these schools
1: keep signing up for them? Then
0: uh, that's a great question. Do you know why? Well, for TV. TV. That's yeah. the answer to everything. If I ask you I, anything about college athletics, just, why, why, are, why are these teams switching conferences? TV.
1: But I like it in an opener. Now, normally on a Saturday, if they're playing you know, week six on Thursday, I just wake up on Saturday and say, oh, well, I wish the Vols were playing. But uh, you giving it to me a couple of days early, especially for the Vols, right? Ease me into this pain here, right? <laughs> you're playing the worst team that you played in a while. Th- this team is no Georgia State. They were, they were actually a pretty good team that year. They even contended for their conference championship. Yeah, I mean, their conference being the Sun Belt. Now, the yeah. Vols made them a lot better than they were. Um, but, but they should roll Bowling 37-point favorite. I mean, when was the last time the Vols were favored by 37 points? The last time they played well, Bishop was it, Sycamore, was it State, State? <laughs> maybe it was Georgia State. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, last time Bowling Green was competent was 2015. Was the last time the Vols played Bowling Green,
1: and they were really good that year. Ten think. win team,
2: yeah. But who was their coach? Dino Babers went That's on to right. Syracuse.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, he's even had some success. Well, he can play off. He can coach offense. I don't know if he can coach defense. Lick. My wife is a Syracuse grad, so I have followed them a little bit. I, I think. Look. Let's get into the discussion this way. We were just talking about uh, – Lucas came in the studio during the break and he was talking about somebody liking soccer and, and having so much more joy in his life having watched soccer and gotten into that as opposed to um, you know, it, going through the slog with his Vols, so to speak. And here's why I think Tennessee has a hope to be – I have no idea if Josh Heupel is going to be a good coach. I hope he is. Right. He at least comes with an expertise – Right, Jeremy Pruitt did, but he was such a grump. I don't think that he was ever embraced by the program, the fans. But Jones did not. He was an executive head coach. Josh Heupel has this offense that you hope we're going to get a great look at it tonight because you guys should score a lot of points against Bowling Green that you hope is exciting. And every time things went bad for the Vols, and I've said this before, it's like they... Feel what the fans feel. The players, it's imparted onto them. And I don't know if that's a fault of Jeremy Pruitt and his coaching staff and Butch Jones and his coaching staff. The uh, booties get real tight real quick in Knoxville as soon as things go bad. And I think that you can fall back on teammates that love one another. There is joy back in the program. Hopefully they're having fun. You have to love one another, right? I mean, you have to love playing with the guys that you play with. I coach a ninth-grade basketball team, and I tell them the same thing. You have to love the guys that you play with, or you will never be successful. I hope that there's joy back in the program. And when things go bad, they go bad. It's going to happen. You're able to weather that a little bit more, and I hope Josh Heupel has brought that because, ugh. I mean, it was – when the coach is tight – Everything's angry. It's imparted on down and it hits the fans. Everyone felt it last year with Jamie Pruitt. I hope that's what's changed. And I think that's going to be a big part of their success or lack thereof if it hasn't. Well,
0: and there's a lot to get to that you said, but,
1: but, but.
0: Aside from maybe there is some actual joy in the building, maybe those kids actually do like what they're doing again. You know,
1: maybe- well, I I I have talked to enough people that have all universally said that. Okay. I'm
0: very confident. That so that's let so let's say that's a given. Then, hey, people are actually enjoying football again up there because it sure doesn't sound like there was. It doesn't sound like there was a lot of that going on. But when you say the man has a level of expertise about something, he does, and that's his offense. It it it, it goes. Blaine went to the spring game and said, everybody said it was fast, and I sat in the stands and watched it, and I couldn't believe how fast it was. And that made me think about this. I, I've said all along, the goal for them is just like Lane Kiffin's first year at Ole Miss, that the offense is so good, you don't notice how terrible the defense is. <laughs> and it's so yeah. good that you win half your games.
1: Yeah, And, and really, that's... And, I, you, I, and you win an exciting brand. I mean, yeah. would it kill the Vols to go out and score 50? Go out and score 50 tonight. If they go out and score 50
0: tonight, because this is a game day for Tennessee. We have gotten not one thing in the zone uh, chat, zone TV chat, about the Vols playing tonight. Now, I'm sure if we bring it up and say, hey, if you're in zone TV chat, mention the Vols, and they will. I I would ask this question to anybody, and I'll say this. These kind of games make me uneasy because every school plays them. Now, in, in the case of my school, Arkansas State, like we're playing University of Central Arkansas tomorrow night. It's a one double A school. They've actually beaten us in the last ten years. They've beaten us in the last five years. That shouldn't
1: happen. You think it's a nothing to gain everything to lose, game? It's a
0: nothing to gain every it's nothing to gain everything to lose. So if you beat them forty two to seven, it's like, okay, that's great, but what does that really mean? I I I always have questions after games like this. And my school is the school that goes and plays Tennessee for a million and a half to go right. get beat. So,
1: Counterpoint, though, since this is the head coach's first game, I mean, you kind of need proof of concept. These guys have bought into him, hopefully. They like his mojo, his juju. They, you know, they've enjoyed practicing and playing for them, for their coaches. But now you're going to get proof of concept, right? I, I mean, and there's a lot of new faces. I'm mean, Joe Milton, I can go out here and play again. I played really well at Michigan in the first couple of games, and then I hurt my thumbs, Yeah, and I couldn't play anymore. You know, there's going to be a lot of proof of concept. I think that's important for the Vols. I mean, because if you start out with um, uh, Cal, the Vols played Cal a couple of times back when they had Deshaun Jackson, and the Vols were still pretty good, and um, Phil Volmer was still the coach. It's just hard. I, I think that's more of a everything-to-lose game for the Vols right now. All you have to do is beat Bollinger. Right. But if now, you beat, now, it's def- going to be embarrassing if you win t- seventeen to fourteen. If you do, then because it's his first game, it's y- proof of concept to me.
0: I I think if you, I don't think people care about the concept if they win 7-15. I think people would be like, oh right. sweet, that Lord. that was a little oh no, sweet Lord, <laughs> a little please hyper-bolic. no, because this this means so much to so many people, and they have suffered so much. And just so many terrible things have happened, and there are millions of dollars being paid to people not to coach or not to administrate. (laughs) Yeah, but but if you look at this, and Tony, hold on, we'll get to you in just a second. So I thought, let me look at last year for Heupel at UCF because they went six and four. There was COVID; it was a weird year for everybody. They went six and four. It wasn't like the year before they went ten and three. But what they score in a year that they went six and four? This is what they scored in their ten games. 58 51 51 49 49 44 and they're losing some of these games. They lost they lost 50 to 49 to Memphis. Holy they Lord. lost a the game they scored 49, which that Hey, I'll take that over Jimmy Brutz way of losing. But if you go out and watch them cuz Memphis is good. And if you go uh, and watch the Vols yeah. lose to a really good team it's 50 to 49, you would leave there and go, "Hey man, I wish they would have won." But oh my gosh, I didn't let go of my seat till the end. So 58, 51, 51, 49, 49, 44, 38. They won that one. They lost the three games that they, they lost. The one to Memphis where they scored 49. They scored 33, 26, and 23. They lost each one of those games.
1: But at least they'd be fun and bad. Even if they have a bad year. They're fun and bad. The only worse combination is the Garantano bad and boring. And here's what I That's, think about Tennessee. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to judge success. If And everyone's perception is going to be different, so this is a moving target. If the sort of underlying thought at the end of the year is they were a little bit better than I thought. They're a little bit ahead of pace. They're out kicking their coverage, so to speak. Maybe a few more recruits start to come. And Heibel gets some momentum that he can build something around as opposed to the foe. Well, if you look at their last three games, they played really well against, you know, Vanderbilt and two other bad teams. And maybe we build off of that. You just need to sort of outkick whatever everyone's expectation is. So that six wins, great. If your expectation is eight, then they need to win nine, and that's going to be harder. If your expectation is three, they need to win four. Yeah. To kind of have people thinking that they're ahead of schedule because that's not been the case for Tennessee for, I mean, how long?
0: If they win six games and they're entertaining, I will consider that ahead of schedule. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Tony the stud is ahead of schedule. He's been waiting for a couple minutes. Tony, thanks for calling the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline on Blaine and Mickey.
3: What's going on, guys? How you doing today? Doing great. Tony. Man, I just i uh, figured I'd get on this ball train since uh, it's a uh, ball of day. Uh, LFG, GBO, you know what I mean? I'm already hyped up. The day gets longer. And, oh, man, I'm just starting to starting to really feel it. Balls will score 57 tonight. Okay, they'll score 57 tonight. They'll give up 16. I think the defense is going to have to put up a couple of scores, though. So, so, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my whole question about this whole thing right now is, we're talking we've been talking about the points obviously and you know, we think Josh Hope is gonna score a lot of points. I think that offense is gonna be cool and if it is good, um, you know, you don't have to rely on the defense as much. But um, you know, I, I do wanna see a-, a decent defense tonight. Um I wanna see um I wanna see uh, some turnovers. Um, I wanna see some interceptions, I wanna see some big hits for some fumbles. I wanna see I wanna see everything. Um I don't want to just see little bits and pieces of something. I, wanted, I want them to get fully prepared for Pittsburgh because there's no question Tennessee's going to win this game tonight. The question is, are we coming into tomorrow and talking about being disappointed if Tennessee doesn't win by 35, if they don't win by 30, and the score is something crazy like, you know, a 29 to 17 or something like that? Because, you know, all of the ball fans, including y'all, uh, all want this Tennessee team to succeed. It's been far too long. So, um, Hey, let's go, balls, man. Let's go, baby. It's game
1: day, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys
0: soon. Thank you, Tony. I love it, Tony. Yeah, this this Thursday thing, I, I came from a school that played a lot of Thursday games. You have trouble selling tickets. If you've watched the Vols' social media, they've been like, hey, here's a two-for-one. Hey, here's get this and buy this, and th- they've been working hard to sell, to sell those tickets. Thursday night is a tough sell, not because a bunch of you don't want to go, but there's a bunch of people sitting in their car going, I'm in a car line picking up my kids. I can't. I can't make it there to that game.
1: Like I can't school tailgate tomorrow. for eight hours like I could do I, on a Sunday.
0: I, I can't do it. No. So there's a lot of people who cannot go to that game. So you basically start going to everybody in the community. Like, hey man, you live down the street. Why can't you come? Hey man, you like uh, you twenty minutes away. You need to come. It, it's a tough sell. This to me would be much more exciting if it was on a Saturday because it would feel like we were ramping up at the normal pace towards a Saturday. Yes, Lucas Panzica.
2: Uh, So, my junior year at UT, opener against Appalachian State was a Thursday night. So, they canceled all the classes that day. Uh, Obviously, Tennessee was a preseason top 10 team. A lot of expectations that ultimately ended in disappointment. But (laughs) they're the number nine team in the country playing Appalachian State. The environment was incredible because of all the hype there. So, now with the new coaching staff and all the expectation that comes with the offense and Josh Heupel, I don't anticipate a notched down in, in environment at Neyland Stadium. Now that app state game was miserable for everybody because it was close and went to overtime. Hey, they won. And they got very lucky. They should have lost, but yeah. they won. Yeah. That's beside the point. But I don't think the environment will be notched down any.
0: No, the environment's going to be nuts because because the fans who are there always deliver.
2: And
1: because it's always nuts.
0: And and because they're going they got the new LED lights and they're always working on new things. Look, you can say anything you want about I'm not from here. I didn't grow up here. I don't have any ties to the University of Tennessee. But I'll say this. I know great fans and they're great fans and they're, they're passionate and they're emotional. And here's the deal. And I learned this again, working in my time in college administration, you want fans to be extremely happy and, and you'll even take it when they're mad. What you don't want is when they're apathetic yeah. and don't yeah. care. Like and here's look, I grew up a like last year.
1: I grew up a Vols fan. We'll take a break soon. I'm guessing, but let me just say this every year. It's like it just comes back. You get excited again. I've been yep. My wife and I just got married. We were dated for seven years. For most of those seven years, it's been miserable to be a Vols fan. You had like a quick blip with, with Butch Jones. So as far as she's concerned, every time I watch a Vols game, it ends up upsetting. She's like, man, I can't believe you do that over and over and over. But it's just a part of being the Vols fan. You got to ride them high. You got to ride them low. I got to go to Lebanon after the show, and on my way back home – It's going to be about 5 o'clock, and I'm going to be fired up for the game that starts in two hours. I'll have Rocky Top on, and I'll be YouTube and John Ward's greatest calls driving down the interstate. Holloway at the 5, Holloway Dives. You know, that'll all be on, and and, and there's so many Vols fans like that, and that's what makes the University a Sleeping Giant. If you didn't have that, people giving given up on the program a long time
0: ago. Well, Doug Matthews has been there during the best of times and has spent a lot of games on those sidelines coaching, and he's going to break all of it down, what's happening tonight. Doug Matthews next on Blaine and Mickey with special guest Alex Apple. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Alex Apple sitting in for the hitman, Blaine Bishop, today. All right, sometimes things just work out in radio. You have a guest at the same time every week. We always have Coach Doug Matthews on Thursdays at the same time. Well, it just so happens coach that today it's for game day uh i mean we're just hours away from the season kickoff on a thursday night and before we even get into any of that first of all hello and second of all i know you got to go to a ceremony today and see some vol legends uh get honored and that's always a great thing
4: really was uh drove up early this morning uh they had a uh uh, deal uh, unveiling of the four statues of they're calling the Trailblazer statues, uh, and it was uh, really a, just an excellent event. Lester McLean uh, spoke for the uh, group of four, two of them were there. T Martin, of course, is coaching uh, with the Ravens, and uh, Jackie Walker passed away several years ago. Uh, and it was uh, for Lester McLean, uh, uh, Jackie Walker, as I mentioned. Convish Holloway and T Martin, and they had their, uh, statues were there. They unveiled them. It was a beautiful ceremony, And I, I tell you as good looking statues, sometimes those are hard to do, but really, really, uh, kind of, uh, caught what each of those players, uh, brought. It was neat that uh, coach Doug Dickey was there who, uh, who recruited and coached, uh, both, uh, Lester and, uh, Jackie. Uh, and uh, of course, Coach Fulmer was there. Uh, who Philip actually was part of uh, all four of them. He played with the first three, and then of course recruited and coached P. Martin. But it was a wonderful event. The Chancellor did a great job. Uh, first time I'd heard her speak, very impressive. Uh, the uh, Athletic Director Danny White did an excellent job, and then Lester uh, spoke for the class. But it was uh, it was neat. There really was, and when. It, it's down at Gate Twenty One, and that's where the team will uh, comes in all the time after the ball walk. Uh, it's uh, something that is uh, really uh, going to be a special, special place, and it was. Uh, I'm glad I had an opportunity to be part of it. It was a invitation only deal, and uh, uh, but it was it was excellent, very well covered, and just an excellent deal.
0: Well, I'm, I'm glad you got to go, and it just sounds amazing. I saw those statues, too, and, and was blown away by how cool they were. Um, I, I wanted to ask you this, Coach, before we get into some specifics about tonight, but you were part of a, a whole lot of these opening nights as a player and as a coach in college football. What were your thoughts, say right now, this many hours out before the opening game? What what were the main things you were you were thinking about and focused on at this point before a season opener?
4: Well, as a player, uh, every game was uh, every game, but especially the opening night, uh, you know, you're ready to go. Uh, you were ready to play as a coach a little bit more. So you knew you, you probably were ready to certainly from a excitement standpoint, uh, you were certainly ready to go, but you always had just a little voice in the back of your head. Did I cover every single thing that I needed to cover in this ball game? knowing that uh, there were probably going to be some things happening in opening games. Maybe they they weren't going. to. I noticed the a uh, Nebraska and Illinois game. You know the the Scott Frost said in that ball game afterwards. Hey, they did some things offensively that our defense wasn't ready for. So you're always kind of aware of that. And quite frankly, a lot of it has to do with with who you're playing. Uh, you know, when you open up with a, a team that is really good, uh, you know that's a little bit different than opening one up. Uh, opening up with one that, that you probably should be, I was fortunate enough. We had m- <laughs> many of the openers we had were normally games that if we played well, we knew we were going to win, but not always. I was going to say we opened up the first two years. I was there. We opened up with Georgia, uh, and then we played Southern Cal the second ball game. Uh, so you know, that, that you, you have a little bit more consternation, I guess, after that. And as it always helps, it helps if you have really good players. If you know you got really good players, then uh, you know you really don't worry about too much other than going out and playing.
0: Got yeah, Coach Doug Matthews joining us here by phone, uh, courtesy of the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. If you are planning to drink, don't plan to drive. The Tennessee Highway Safety Office reminds you that fans don't let fans drive drunk. Especially remember that tonight, ball fans, because it is game day. Coach Doug Matthews joins us. Alex Apple sitting in today for Blaine, coach and he's ready to talk to you
1: coach i'm fired yes. up i'm a longtime vols fan i want you to help me calibrate expectations for me and everybody else that's listening right now a successful night for joe milton the quarterback in his first game for tennessee looks like what to you and i hope that you can give us a little color in there of just how good you think joe milton will be especially early on as he's still getting comfortable just as the coaches are
4: well, Tennessee only had two scrimmages. I say only. Normally, uh, in the preseason, you have uh, usually three. Uh, but uh, Coach Heupel went with two. Uh, that may be what he's always done. I don't know. But but all of them were one against one, two against two, and three against three. There was no one against the rest, uh, where you you know you want to see what the you really want to see some execution. Uh, that was his style. That's what he did. Uh, What will be successful for me, what I'm going to be looking for is this. and It doesn't really have anything to do with points. It has to do with what this team looks like from a uh, technique standpoint, from a play standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, because really all of last year, that was something that on game day, this team did not exhibit. Uh, They did not look like a well-coached football team. from what I've seen in the scrimmages, that appears to me to be uh, greatly different. uh You know, we have to wait and, and see what happens in the games, of course, to get that. But uh, that's what I'm going to be looking for. I, I believe, from everything I've seen, that defensively, this team is going to line up correctly. They're going to do some good things in that area, and uh, uh, those are all good things. So that's, that's what I'm going to be looking. It really, doesn't have anything to do with points. It doesn't have anything to do with. Uh, uh, with, you know, who plays particularly well. This is an opponent that, quite frankly, is not very good. They weren't very good last year. They're not going to be very good this year, I don't think. But just to go t- see Tennessee, if, uh, if if they'll go out there and and really look like a well-coached team and that this offense can perform anywhere near, and I, again, I'm not talking about points, but I'm talking about show some excitement, they'll get this Tennessee fan base back quickly because uh, as i mentioned on big one sunday this past week uh they are uh this fan base is starred for a team that looks like a good football team and i'm not and plays like a good football team so that's what i'll be expecting as far as joe milton uh, the two scrimmages that, that both the scrimmages i saw he looked athletically like the he was going to be the starter uh now they they rotated everybody in the exact almost the exact same number of plays but i thought that he and uh, he looked the best in that group uh Hooker is mobile also Bailey's a young man that that i, I hope that he stays at Tennessee because i think eventually he will really be a top notch quarterback but this team from and this comes from coach Kyle You know, I think he feels like this team needs a quarterback that's a little bit more mobile than Bailey is. But, uh, uh, you know, I I hope they all stay, but I really hope Bailey stays because I think down the road he can be a Mac Jones-type player. Not not saying he'll play (laughs) as well as Mac Jones play, but he's that type of player. He's a pocket quarterback. The other two guys are are much more mobile, and uh, I think that's why right now certainly why Milton has the edge.
1: Coach Doug Matthews with us. Coach, I got another question about something. Compared to last year, you're not hearing nearly as much about them. That's the offensive line. But I look at the two deep. You still have Darnell Wright's played a lot of football. Cade Mays played a lot of football. Jerome Carvin, starting, played a lot of football. And then I think at center, uh, the uh, younger Mays' brother, Cooper, uh, shapes up to be a pretty good player as well. Is this offensive line still serviceable? I mean, I haven't heard much chatter about them at all. Certainly not that they're going to be terrible. But I think that that's something that a new quarterback, new running back, a lot of new skill position players can lean on if they can carry them a little bit.
4: Well, they've got six players that they're going to the game with uh, that, that they're. Uh, I think they feel really good about. Uh, a couple more that hopefully can come along as the season goes along. There's no question that losing Calvert hurt. Uh, they had seven, I think, good football players. But uh, that's since uh, the, the you know the it, it's, uh, Calvert being hurt is going to force Cave Mays to go outside to tackle. Uh, I think they probably would rather have him inside, but you got to play where you got to play. Uh, you mentioned Spraggett and Carv, and that's going to be your 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 two guards. Wright will be the other tackle. Uh, and then Cooper Mays will start at center. I, I think Dane Davis uh, has shown that he could be a capable backup, maybe better than that. Uh, they brought a, a, a junior college kid in, uh, named Crawford, who is a big physical kid. they got some younger guys too. But uh, I think they're, they'll go with those six linemen. And, you know, that's the position. Uh, I've said this many times. Uh, some of the best teams that I coached on up here we had five offensive linemen that played the whole game. That's not a position you substitute a lot of players at. Now, you certainly have to have some for injuries and things like that. But, uh, and I'll tell you one thing that'll help this offensive line too. Um, they're, they're a physical group, uh, but what's really gonna help, I think, is this fast-paced offense, because you do not have a lot of time defensively to, sh- to do a lot of different things. I mean, what this, this head football coach is gonna try to snap the ball, with 30 seconds left on the 42nd clock. Now there will be times when he'll, you know, move them in and out. And they'll look to the sideline. But uh, I had Tom Ritter on my Saturday show, and uh, Tom, of course, former uh, head referee of the Southeastern Conference, also head of the replay, had talked to the crews, the SEC crews that did both of Tennessee's uh, scrimmages, and uh, he told me that every one of them said, "This is the fa- This will be the fastest offense of anything we've seen." that we've been doing in the conference for the last couple of years. So they're going to play fast. They're going to go quick. Uh, and they're going to make you line up and, and, and play play quickly. So all that helps the defense, uh, excuse me, an offense against a defense like this.
1: Man, I really like that, Mickey.
0: Coach, Doug Matthews breaking it down for us here. Literally, it is game day. We're just hours away. You can hear it all tonight on 104.5 The Zone. Now, maybe this is a night that you don't need to know but at some point, you're going to have to know, does this team have enough pass rush?
4: Do they have enough what? Sorry, um, excuse
0: me? Enough pass rush? I don't know. Didn't have it last year.
4: Yeah. Uh, there is no question that their better defense has been. Number one, they've gone to a four-man front instead of a three-man front. Tyler Barron, who had uh, some really good moments last year, he has the athletic ability to be an excellent pass rusher. Byron Young, who uh, is a, uh, a junior college player coming in on the other side has that ability too. Uh, now, and, and one thing I want to touch on too, I've heard some people kind of talking about this about who the starters are going to be. I wouldn't put uh, I wouldn't put much stock in who the starters are in this particular game uh, because I believe I, I don't believe I know that Coach Heipel, some of these young men, especially the seniors. Uh, He is rewarding them for staying and being the leaders on this team. It's never about who starts. It's about who ends and who continues, uh, who plays uh, the, the majority of the game. And you're going to see some of these younger guys, particularly the transfers, are going to get in there pretty darn quick. They won't start in many instances, but they'll be in there really quick. So what I'm going to be looking for is I'm not going to be looking particularly at who the starters are other than the quarterback position. Uh, but I'm going to be uh, looking at who the players are that, that come in there pretty quickly and what they'll do because I've uh, I've seen enough on both sides of the ball of the younger guys. Uh, young, well, I shouldn't say the younger play, the newer players. Some are younger guys, some are transfers. Tennessee's got 13 transfers this year, 10 uh, 10 uh, transfers, and then uh, from transfer portal and three from junior college. So uh, they brought in more transfers this year than they did to high school freshmen. So uh high school seniors coming in to be freshmen. So uh and that that's what I would be look, if if that's what I'll be looking for, that's what I would do if I was a Tennessee fan, looking and seeing who's in there playing. And you're gonna see more quickness at the tackle or at the guard excuse me, the defensive end position. Uh you're gonna see I think more quickness, a little more depth in the secondary. And I think Tennessee fans will really like these two line uh, running backs. We we we've seen the small kid last year, but this Evans kid is a uh, mm. he, he's a good looking player. And uh, uh, I think Jalen Hyatt, if he stays healthy, will be one of the best that Tennessee has had ever wow. if, if he stays healthy and can get live up to his potential. So uh, there's some there's some pluses there, and there's also some areas you know that the depth may be a problem, may not linebacker not exactly sure what we're going to see there but uh the big thing is they've they, they you know if, if they get if they get the play that they think they have and hope to get out of the quarterback position this is going to be an offense that will be fun to watch
1: man I love that coach you get me fired up I was going to ask about Jalen Hyatt I think he's a guy that I'll go into the game watching because I think he was maybe a little underutilized last year but you just gave him high praise so let me ask you a different question Is the joy back in this program? Can I get excited about the guys playing for one another, wanting to play for their coaches? I feel like the players feel it, the fans feel it, the coaching staff certainly felt it last year. When things went bad, it got tight really quickly. And I I guess I'm hoping that what everyone's telling me, that the joy is back in this program. They're enjoying just playing the game. That should be fun. It should be about joy. And that's got me excited for this team, even though they've not played a game. I mean, is that am, am I uh, barking up uh, the wrong tree there, or is that something that I should have a little bit of hope in?
4: Well, if you are, I mean, that, that, I missed this on the on the Big Horn Sunday Sunday show. You know, uh, I I go into every season, especially with a new coach, uh, believing that that I'm going to see a good football team, uh, because I know from coaching there ten years and knowing what what other coaches have done there, uh, when, you get, when, when Tennessee gets the right coach, uh, Tennessee will play well. There's no doubt about that, in my opinion. I've seen they've done it throughout the, their history, almost 100 years of it. But they've got to get the right coach. And uh, for whatever reason, the last three or four have not been the right coach. And uh, uh, hopefully Josh Heupel is that. But once that happens, this, this place has too much – history, it has too much potential, they got too much facility, they got too big of a fan base. You know, there's hundreds of thousands, and I literally mean hundreds of thousands, of people in this state and outside this state that would follow this team closely, very closely. And uh, I hear from, I don't hear from a hundred thousand, but I hear from enough of them to know that that's, that's all this fan base is waiting for. They're waiting for a good-looking, well-coached football team uh, and if they get that out of Josh Heupel, he's gonna he's gonna be a success up here because with that will come the recruiting. Uh, you put a, you put a product out there that that looks good, that plays hard, and and shows potential. The, the recruiting will come with that. And but that they, that's what has to happen. And we quite frankly haven't had that in the last few years. We haven't had a team that's fun to watch. We haven't had a team that looks well coached. And uh, until, uh, hopefully we're going to have that this year. That's what I thought I saw in the scrimmages. I'm anxious to see if I'm going to see it tonight.
0: Well, Coach, we love talking to you, especially on game day. Uh, Tennessee Highway Safety Office making it possible. As always, we're going to do this every week, talking to Coach Doug Matthews. And you want a full report on this? uh, Football Saturday, right here on The Zone with Coach, and Big Orange Sunday. Again, Coach is going to have you covered all weekend, too. Thank you, Coach, and enjoy tonight's game.
4: You bet. Good talking to you all, and we'll talk uh, next Thursday.
0: Yes, sir. I always love talking to Coach Doug Matthews every Thursday. Just bank on it. And Again, tonight, Vols football here on The Zone. We'll be right back. we got to wrap things up. You want to jump in, talk any college football on the way out? We'll talk uh, a little bit more of that and more. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. football happy retirement to Jarrell Casey our our buddy one of the one of the truly good guys just a just one of the good people and I know we say that about people sometimes that's a good guy that's a good dude but Alex Jarrell Casey is genuinely a good person he and his wife have done so much work in the community and I know they're in Denver now and he alluded to that that he planned to get back to Tennessee he also said he's going to finish college Uh, He said he left USC as a junior. He said, first thing I'm going to do is finish college. That's the first thing I'm going to do. This guy's a taskmaster. Whatever he sets his mind to, he's going to accomplish. But he's done a lot for a lot of people. He's a two-time finalist for the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. And for people who don't know what that means, that means a guy who is more than just a great football player but great in his specific community. But he and his lovely wife, Ryan, one year we had a Jarrell Casey show when I was doing 3HL, and Jarrell came on with us every week. And his wife would come down sometimes and beautiful family and they're they're just they're beautiful people and i love jerrell and i wish him nothing but the best
1: well and lucas tweeted or somebody tweeted at lucas please explain why you think he should be in the titans ring of honor one day i, I share that opinion i think he probably will be second all time in sacks 51 to javon Curse's 52 a lot of people wouldn't realize you that. could stop right there but i said I mean, literally you could yeah just, yeah that could be the
0: argument He's got one less sack than the freak for the time.
1: But and I, and I added to that conversation, I'm not sure this gets you in the ring of honor because that matters a lot about what you do on the field. But yeah. what he did in the community is a way, it, you know, creates a legacy that a lot of people in Nashville will remember him by. Anybody who had the chance to interact with him was impacted by him, was helped by him and his wife and his family will remember that. And he did as good a job at that as anybody. And when you have guys like that, that come through Nashville and the Titans and endear the team to the city, and play well, and are great people off the field. That's how you grow something really special. If you went to the last preseason game, my dad and I both walked out of that saying, "That's the best atmosphere I've ever seen in a preseason game." There was booing, cheering. <laughs> you know, I mean, you don't you don't have that usually in a preseason game. The Titans are popular again in this town. Yeah. They should be. They got a lot of good players. But Jarrell Casey's a big part of that because he was one of those guys that everybody he interacted with said, that's a great guy. I can ride and root with for that guy on Sundays, yeah. no doubt about it.
0: Got about three minutes left. The Tennessee Vols will be kicking off, what, tonight? Six
1: o'clock? Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock our time. I, I think that's Central, yeah. Seven Se-
0: o'clock. Seven Central, says Lucas Panzeca. Right He them. knows. So, this – I, I wrote this in my notes earlier this week. You cannot let Bowling Green hang around. This is a terrible team. They gave up. Th- didn't you and Buck today, Lucas, just give a bunch of unbelievably terrible stats about how bad Bowling Green is? One of them is they gave up 310 rushing yards per game. And the hypo-offense, we all tend to see spread offense, pass the ball everywhere. Well, no, he's been he's been very adamant in saying we're a balanced attack. And really, a lot of those guys will call it like Gus Malzahn. I made the mistake of calling his a spreading pass office once, and Eli Drinkwitz, who's now Missouri, was on the staff, and he goes, it's a it's a running offense with some passing principles. <laughs> he corrected me in his dry Eli Drinkwitz way. But they want to run the ball. I wouldn't get cute tonight. I mean, I would run my offense because you should be able to out-athlete these cats. And everyone, Your offensive
1: line should be able to push them no problem.
0: Five yards down the field. So I would come out, and I wouldn't get cute. I don't want to run any end-of-rounds or anything like that. I just want to blow them off. I I would look at those five offensive linemen, and I would say, hey, man, you want to start this season off with a bang? Run over your man, and let's run for 350 yards against these guys tonight.
1: And they lost a lot of running back talent. Uh, I mean, they lost half of the good guys on their roster to Oklahoma, seemingly, in the (laughs) offseason. But I think that you look at Tyon Evans as a guy, a a big body, certainly looks the part. You'd love to see him tonight. I think that it's just about simple. Just get the next first down. Yep. Every play doesn't have to be the 40-yard touchdown. There'll probably be some of those because Bowling Green just stinks. And then on the other side of the ball, Bowling Green's running back is a guy named on Stewart. He's the only guy on the roster I know about, but he's from Shelby County. He's, he's actually pretty, a
0: Tennessean. He's pretty good. He's
1: electric. Yeah. He's the guy you've so got to contain. It'd be great if you start out up 7 to nothing. Don't start out on the other side. Don't throw a pick and let him kick a field goal, and all of a sudden people are turning on the game 20 minutes late, and you're down 3 to and you start wondering what's happening. Look, Just enjoy. I hope that the state of Tennessee, I hope Vols fans and I enjoy this game because it's an opportunity to really beat somebody, to feel good about yourself, if only for one game. You got Pittsburgh next. That'll be a tight one. It'll be a fun one. But I hope that the hype error gets off to a good start. I mean, I really hope that. And that's the universal sentiment amongst Vols fans, I'm sure.
0: Yes, a lot of of excited people tonight. Probably some a little nervous. But uh, no matter what happens, we got it all in the zone. And guess what? 3HL's coming up next. So you know Brent and Babs and Ron. They are going to get you game ready right up until it's time to get started with Vols programming. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy the game. Alex will be back tomorrow. We're going to break everything down for you. As we get ready to start NFL game week two, we'll give you the latest on what's going on with the Titans tomorrow. Have a great night. And again, 3HL next on The Zone. We'll see you tomorrow, Alex. Go Vols. Bring it home.